Welcome to Ground Control Parenting, a blog and now a podcast created for parents raising black and brown children. Why ground control parenting? Because we're not trying to be helicopter parents, but we do need to be on that tarmac, that ground control crew, making sure our kids have what they need for a successful takeoff. I'm the creator and your host, Carol Sutton Lewis. My daughter and two sons are in their 20s, and I've been writing about parenting and education issues for more than a decade. In this podcast series, I'll be talking with some really interesting people about the job and the joy of parenting. I'm so thrilled that our very first guest is my dear friend, Tanya Lewis-Lee. Tanya is a film and TV producer, a novelist, and a children's book author, a fierce advocate for women and infant health, an entrepreneur, and an attorney. (laughs) She and her husband, the Oscar-winning director Spike Lee, are mom and dad to Satchel, their 24-year-old dog, and Jackson their 22-year-old son. Welcome to Ground Control Parenting, Tanya. Thank you, Carol. And I have to say, Satchel is now 25. Oh, great. Yeah, time goes goes so fast. Yeah, she just (laughs) turned 25. Sorry, Satchel. Happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) So, Tanya, we go back a ways together. At least 15 years. I was trying to do the math. I think a little longer than that. Yeah, it's long. (laughs) But we only look like it's been 15 years. And throughout our many talks, we always circle back to talk about our children and about raising them. And so we've shared so many stories, and I'm so glad to have you here today so we can continue our parenting conversation. And I think our listeners can really benefit from your parenting wisdom. So um, first, I want to start with a bit of your backstory. So I'll start by saying, I often say that one of the goals in parenting is to parent the child that you have, not the one that you were or the one that you want. So let's talk about the child that you were. Little Tanya Lewis. (laughs) I know you're the oldest of two, and you were raised by your mom, Lily, and your dad, George, who was a corporate exec. So you grew up in lots of places. Is that right? Yeah, we moved around a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I started, I was born in Yonkers, New York, and then we moved to Montclair, New Jersey, and then we moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Wow. And then to St. Louis, Missouri, which is where I graduated from high school. So let's talk about how you were parented. How were your parents... um, what were their expectations? How did they make them clear to you? Oh, uh, well, my parents, first of all, it was clear to me that as a the daughter of George and Lillian, that there were certain ways that you behaved, uh, you know, when I was a girl. So, you know, I my mother would often say, like, don't act like those other children. You sit up straight, you act right, you sit, you know, don't be so loud. Um, they had very high expectations for me academically. You know, uh, education is, was critical and most important of everything. Um, you know, I, I used to laugh and say, you know, we were starched and pressed, my sister and I, you know. <laughs> and as you mentioned, you know, my father uh, was a corporate exec. Um, he was part of the group that uh, sort of integrated corporate America after um, civil rights laws required corporations to have to employ black um, executives. Mm-hmm. And I think for my parents, you know, that was a, that was a huge deal. And, um, you know, my sister and I were an extension of, of that. And so we had to behave and look uh, uh, a certain way to represent my father. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a, a big question, but, but generally, how did you feel about that? I mean, when you were old enough to sort of notice... Oh, well, I mean, look, and, and, you know, as much as my parents had those expectations, I mean, you know, I was still my own individual person. So it wasn't like I 
always behaved accordingly. I mean, I think I was a good girl, quote unquote, and tried to do the right thing, but it, somehow it didn't always work out that way. <laughs> um, and so for me, you know, I think I tried to be that, but at the same time, like I said, I was an individual, so mm-hmm. I had to be who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny, I'm 53 years old and I'm still trying to, you know, get my parents' approval, which I'll never get. <laughs> so actually, that leads into as a really good segue to my question about how did the way that you were parented impact the way that you parent? Yeah, and you know the other the other piece of that I guess I've unspoken in what I just said is that my parents were pretty strict. You mm-hmm. know, it was uh, there was no time for too much foolishness, and um, you know they would let me know. I mean, and you know they did. We did get spankings and things like that. Um, and it, and it wasn't a lot of room for explaining, Mm -hmm. you know, either you do or you don't. Um, and if you didn't, you got in trouble. Uh, for my kids, um, I wanted to talk to them more, Mm -hmm. you know, um, explain, you know, why I need you to do this or not do this from a very young age. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Spike and I didn't spank our, we didn't spank our kids. I mean, one time, um, Jackson just was out of control and Spikes threatened him and said, I'm going to spank you. And then Jackson kept going and, and then Spike just stood over him. I remember it so clearly. Jackson was like three years old or four years old and Spike just stood there and he couldn't do it. He could not spank this kid. And I was like, but you've already told him you're going to do it. So now I'm going to have to do it because you can't threaten him and then not do it because it's, we're going to suffer that later. Right, right. Um, but that was the one time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we tried to, you know, set expectations for our kids. Again, of course, education for both Spike and I is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for our children, education was paramount. Uh, that we both had. of you have a great legacy of education. You've come from families who were valued it greatly. Absolutely. And, and both uh, uh, my mother was a teacher as well. Spike's mother was a teacher. His grandmother was a teacher. Um, so certainly, and, and we both saw how education helped our families, you know, move on up, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we set those expectations for our kids. And it's interesting because my children, different from me, grew up in one place their entire lives, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they did go to different schools trying to figure out the right school for them. And I just wanted them to feel loved and um, wanted them to know that no matter what, they were valued and had something to offer the world. I have just a, a little note on spanking. There's a collective gasp now when people talk about spanking, and this generation of parents views it as um, something you wouldn't even consider, but I certainly grew up in an era where it was it happened regularly in families, and I certainly was threatened. I mean, it was a serious threat if it didn't happen all the time. And when I had children, I was already into the mode of that's probably not a great idea. But there are those moments when you think there has to be some ultimate threat of punishment. So, hundred percent. So certainly, we our family was in the same circumstance. I can't can count on maybe three fingers the time it actually happened, but. 
I kind of, you know, when I say to younger parents who are just like, I would never spank. It's like, I think in most parenting things, you can never say never. <laughs> Agreed. I totally agree with that. And I joke in a way sometimes where I say, oh, gosh, maybe I should have spanked my children. Maybe they would have been a little more afraid of me, uh, which might have been good for them. I mean, my, my parents will say, well, you turned out all right. So I'm not sorry for what we did. Well, I think it helps that people of a certain age with kids who are older can talk about this. So um, you said something to me um, um, we've talked over the course of our talks, that has really stayed with me. When I asked you the question about how your parenting influenced the way that you parent your children, you had this really interesting thought about looking at it as a continuum. Hmm. And if you could just talk more about that, because that really, I think, is important. Yeah, I, I do. I think about um, my parenting. I, I think about parenting as a continuum, right? I mean, clearly, my parents came from parents who came from parents. And, you know, my daughter, you know, has um, pushed me from time to time to do better, be better, be a better parent. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I've said to her, you know, I've tried to do better, look, and build on the good that my parents did, but also do better than they did in some instances, aka the, the spanking, mm -hmm. um, and then say to her, well, you know, the things that I didn't do so well, it, it'll be your turn when you have your children to do better um, so that we, we all, you know, the generations get better. Um, and so I really do think of it as on a continuum. We're passing through this life uh, and passing it on. And uh, I think we all need to keep building. I love that for so many reasons. We all try to do the best we can. And one of the reasons I focus so much on parenting is because I think people can be more intentional and I think that they can work harder to do the best they can, but only the best that they can. I mean, there's no perfect anything, kid or parent. And if you think of it as a continuum, when we make parenting mistakes, as we all do, it's comforting to know that you acknowledge a mistake and you, you hope you try to smooth it out with your children however you can. And then you hope that they'll learn from that and they'll move on and they won't make that mistake. They'll make others. But it beats to me that concept that, you know, some parents say, oh, they'll work it out in therapy or whatever, you know, sort of. I think it, it helps you take responsibility for what you're doing, but not beat yourself up if you can't do it, if you realize after the fact that maybe you should have done something better. So. Exactly. And and look, the, the relationship evolves too. You know, where I was with my children when they're three, when they're 15, when they're 25 is different. And, um, you know, it will forever evolve. And that's, that's the thing I try to talk to my kids about now. Let's, let's deal with the issues that we may be having, but let's not take it so seriously, meaning that we can work this out um, and then we'll be in another place, you mm -hmm. know, and mm -hmm. we'll have other issues to work out too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, this is a, a relationship that's going to continue, God willing, for many, 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 many years. And there'll be different stages and phases that we're going to have. Mm -hmm. um, and if we keep in mind that... Okay, it's not always perfect, but we're trying to, like you say, do better. Mm -hmm. And and the ability to talk to your children about that and ask them to take responsibility for the, being on the continuum, it it I like that because it I think there has to be as a parent you have to have authority. You have a lot of authority when they're little. I mean, you have to save them from themselves, and and you want I think to always have some sense of authority. You're not buddies. There needs to be some ability for you to weigh in a little heavier. But I think as they get older, you're an authority who listens mm -hmm. and, and tries to morph into a more 
a more compassionate authority. And so, and I love that too, because it's like, I'm not, I'm also not the parent that you want. <laughs> I'm the parent that you have. Exactly. <laughs> so you're going to have to deal with me also a little bit on my terms, you know, as much as you want me to bend to be who you want me to be, right? You talk about parenting the child that you have. Well, you have to be the child to the parent you have. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, <laughs> And that's on them to figure out. <laughs> so you talked about your goals for your children, for them to be confident and contribute to the world, which are great, great goals. So I want to talk a little bit about confidence, raising confident children. And I said at the onset, we're talking about parenting black and brown children. And so there are some challenges with raising confident children from the beginning. Um, and, and I want to ask you about them on two different levels. First, just the general, how do you imbue confidence in your children knowing that two things? One, they're going to move in a world where they are, um, can they be in situations where they could be judged less than. I mean, that's a soft way of saying it, but they, they have to know, be prepared for that. And they also have to be able to monitor that confidence in instances where it could be dangerous, for lack of a better way to say it. I mean, so you want to be confident, but you don't want to be too confident such that um, you can get into trouble. So how have your children become confident humans with those challenges? You know, it is, it's very complicated. I mean, we decided to send our children to these predominantly white institutions for schooling, thinking that they, you know, that's where the best education would be. And I mean, in truth, sometimes I wonder if if that was really the right move. Um, uh, for that very reason, because I think these institutions often, um, well, first of all, I, I don't, they're not really designed for our success often. Number one, uh, number two, going in them, you know, as black parents who are certainly well known, uh, who are also well known for being outspoken on issues, um, complicates it for our children in, in ways that I didn't necessarily foresee. And I grew up going to predominantly white institutions, was often the only black kid in the class. So I, I, I know what that is, uh, and it went through my own trauma with that. So I will say I bring my own, I brought my own trauma to my children's experience as well and lived in that space where I was trying to allow them their room and, and check myself, but at the same time there were moments when I just, it, it would come up. Um, but what I what I tried to do was remind my children of who they come from. You know, um, I have a lot of pride in my ancestors. Um, they survived. They struggled. They survived. Thinking about the future, thinking about me being here, um, and wow, <laughs> what amazing people! I mean, what amazing people! Uh, and so from a young age, I talked to my children about the fact that we do come from African people who were stolen from their homes, from their ancestral homes where there were families and structure and love and brought over to a world of, uh, of inhumane people who, you know, threw them into servitude and yet here we are, you know, and um, thinking about where we are now in this continuum of life that we've, we've caught up and surpassed 
a lot of folks, a lot of white folks. So I don't care what any of those people try to tell you about who you are, that you're less than. Think about the fact how much further we've come. And here we are, you know, mm -hmm. and really try to keep those messages clear. I mean, also in our home, I mean, our home is full of black art. I mean, quite honestly, I, there are no images of white people on the walls and our, well, you know, my husband did do the right thing <laughs> and you need to have some brothers on the wall at South Pizzeria. <laughs> we have no white people on the walls in our home. And I, I grew up that way. We had black art. I didn't, I don't think I ever saw an image of a white person on a wall. This is the, and, and beautiful imagery, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think in, in many ways, our children were just constantly reinforced with, the beauty of who they are as, as descendants of Africans and um, the power of, of the people that they come from. Mm -hmm. You know, I, we've talked a little bit about this in the past, and I really like what you say about telling your children uh, how important to, to consider where from whence they've come and where they are now. And when we've talked about this previously, you talked about telling them sort of in the classroom setting, not only to understand that we have come really far considering and we've caught up and in some instances surpassed, you even ask them to have a little compassion and say, imagine <laughs> if someone is looking at you, certainly they're going to come at you. They're going to feel this. And so, you know, let's give the, your, not give them a pass by any stretch, but you try to help them understand the source of why they may be encountering something in school, which right. which goes a little deeper than just, oh, you know, it, those people are bad people. It's sort of look at what – look at the history of this, mm -hmm. and you can understand. Feel sorry for them. Do not <laughs> – is... But take no mess. Right, right, exactly. But take no but, mess. No, no, exactly. I mean, I remember, um, you know, many years after I, I was in my daughter's room and I was looking – I was cleaning up and I saw some journals of hers. And she had a journal that she had kept when she was in fifth grade. And this white girl had said to her, uh, no offense, Satchel, but you're kind of black. And Satchel had written in her diary, like, I don't understand what she's talking about. I'm all black. <laughs> like, it, to her, it was like, what? I don't even understand what you're saying. You're mm -hmm. trying to say no offense? You're kind of black? No, I'm all black. And so what's the offense? Right. Like, she just didn't even – and I remember when I was that age, I, I because of the imagery and the way things are talked about, I had so much shame, mm -hmm. you know. And that was a that was a, one of those validating moments as a mother where it's like, okay, power to her. She understood, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. You find the flip side of that. Uh, I know some of my three kids, all of them have experienced this, this to some extent – where they'll have friends in school. They, too, went to predominantly white schools, and their friends will say, oh, but you're not really black. And thank goodness they all understood that was offensive and would talk to them immediately, shut that down, mm -hmm. and come and talk to me about it. And we'd have to talk about what it means, why in society people could even perceive that Exactly. That is a thing that you'd want to say to someone. <laughs> so. Right. Well, again, their ignorance, right? To talk to the compassion of it, right? Mm -hmm. Their ignorance, like they don't have an education about who black people really are. Exactly. They, they are only given what they've been told. They, they just don't know. Right. Right. No, that's so true. And, um, it, it is, it's good for them to be able to come home to talk to parents about it. It's great. And and in terms of, of parenting tips, I mean, talk to your children about these kind of things. And it doesn't matter what your family background is. You don't have to have legacy of education, but our people 
have had a legacy of triumph over incredible odds. And so you can just look at any kind of history of our people and find inspiration to give to your kids. And I think that's the key. You know, you have pride in who you are yourself. Think mm -hmm. about it yourself, about how, how the fact that we're still here, <laughs> you know, and uh, draw on the, on the power of our ancestors. Absolutely. So knowing your history, really, really key. And yeah. as a parent, making sure that your children know their history. So the second part that I want to talk to you about, raising confident children, though, this one is a little more nuanced, but um, I know that you have a perspective on this. So your children have been raised in a well-resourced celebrity household with uh, parents that are in the industry. And so they, they see a world that few see, regardless of color. Um, as you say, um, your, Spike's work and your work is grounded in the black community, so that they certainly know through your work, sort of your perspective, but they also float through a lot of different rooms. They, they're in a lot of rooms that a lot of people are not. So in terms of the confidence building, sort of like the flip side, the, the flip side of that is how do you keep them grounded and, um, able to understand, first of all, that they're in rarefied air, they're, they are, they have been privileged, and I'm not using that, that buzzword, but they literally have had been privileged to be in these rooms, um, but also to be able to be, to, to own it enough so that they don't feel that it, um, it doesn't define them, but it can, it gives them opportunities that they can take advantage of. Yeah. I mean, look, it's so interesting. I think when I was thinking about, um, you know, obviously many, many years ago before I was married and I was thinking about the type of man I wanted to be with. Um, you know, the thought to me was I, I wanted to be with a man who could speak with a brother on the corner and could deal with the CEO in the C-suite, right? So um, I think that's who we are, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there's rarefied air, but we, we go across the board all kinds of people. You know, um, my children see it all, not just the privilege side of it, right? Um, you know, it's so funny. Spike is Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. That That's going nowhere. <laughs> there are no heirs there, you know, and he is steeped in Brooklyn, in the community there, right? Uh, and my children go there um, and hang out with all kinds of people. So I think... I, you know, and from, they always have. And they always have. Mm -hmm. And so for them, you know, they can talk to, and they would. I mean, they talk to a janitor or whoever's running the, the company and treat them equally and think of them equally just based on how they interact with that person, right? And, and are curious about the experience of that person. Um, and so I think it, it, we live a certain way that Spike and I both are that way, right? I mean, you mentioned my advocacy for women and, and children. I mean, I've traveled the country and been in all kinds of situations with all kinds of people, and my children have traveled there too. And so I think they see us, um, and and we don't treat anyone any differently just because they have or because they've accomplished, you know. Mm -hmm. It's about who are you as a human being. And so I think for my children, uh, it's about, it has been about, making sure that they see human beings for human beings. And if a person is an asshole who sits on a whole lot of money, that's what that is, you know? Um, and they're not going to have, they're not impressed by that. Mm 
Um, it's funny, though. They're different kids, you know. I have one kid who will wear vintage, and I look at her sometimes, and I'm like, can I get you something new? <laughs> uh, and I have another kid who can be a little more fancy, you know, but they do meet in the middle, you know. Yeah, I, I do think um, it's it's important for our children to understand that there's no cookie cutter anything. I mean, I grew up with a family that was in politics and I got to go into a lot of rooms and I remember being really um, feeling like it was very important that I not tell anybody what was going on. I had to really, the, the worst thing you could say to me was you think you're better than I am. And, and that was something people said a lot when we were growing mm -hmm. up. And so I really tried hard to not do that. I think, quite frankly, too much. I mean, I was really too concerned about that. Exactly. And that can happen, too. I've had right. that with the kids, right. you know. It, and, and so, but I think, I think that this generation who, who it's this generation, not just children, your children or my children, children generally are more comfortable with a lot of different worlds, by virtue of the internet and, you know, sort of the, it's not quite so, it used to be if you lived in New York, you knew one world, you lived in Utah, you, lived, you knew another, and now everybody kind of knows the same world. But it is, I, I hope for our children, I can speak for mine anyway, that I've helped them not feel um, like they have to bend over backwards to stand away from any um, resource they may have. I mean, it, it's a, it's a delicate it's a, line to walk. I mean, but, but I raise this because in a lot of parenting discussions, a lot of black people talking about the kids it, it, and, and, and talking about black children and parenting in general, you don't talk about this because there's so many issues that we're dealing with as black parents, the educational system. I mean, there's lots of really valid reasons why we don't talk about this, but for, if, if you, if you're in a position where your children are uh, exposed to a lot of things, it's important that their confidence is grounded in who they are, but also that they they have what your children have, the ability to not view people through any kind of prism of right. resource. I mean, they need to be are able to... Are you a human being? Right, exactly. Are you a human being? And and what what am I, what's the energy I'm getting from you as a human being, and what can I pour into you? And it's really important, you know, in, in one of, a couple of my kids were in private school, and some of the parents... When they brought their kids to private school, um, if they didn't live like some of the classmates, um, and this being New York City, most people didn't live like some of the classmates, there was a bit of an intimidation, and, and they didn't want their kids to hang around with them. But I say, hang out and see it, because to your point, if you're a jerk with a lot of money, you need to know from an early age that just because you have a lot of money exactly. doesn't make you a great person, doesn't make you special. You can be jerky. You can be good, but you don't have to be. And right. so... The ability to be in these rooms means you can be in them with eyes wide open. And then as as kids of color, you're not going to be in them the same way as everyone else is right. going to be in them. So I, I think about that a lot with respect to the confidence. I, it, it's, a, it's a challenge. And I want parents who have achieved and feel great about that to be mindful of that with their kids because you don't want them to think that achievement alone just – they're in a little special box. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's not it, right? Again, like, you know, when I say I want my children to feel like they have something to contribute, that their voice matters in the world. And so it's not about, you know, um, just going out and getting a lot of stuff. I mean, yes, we need money to live and, you know, we live a certain way and I know you want to keep that, I, I guess. I, again, but I've gotten to the point with my children, like, it's, it's, it's your life, right? 
But but what's most important to me is that you find your voice and figure out how you're contributing to humanity, right? Absolutely. Um, and um, you know, again, money is important, but ultimately, and I and I hope for my children that that value system has come through to them, right? Mm-hmm. That they that they really get that. So um, let's talk about not parenting the child, um, or trying to parent the child that you have versus the child that you wanted. And I want to ask about parenting outside your comfort zone. I mean, we all kind of, as much as we don't like to admit it, we kind of had this vision of what our children would be like. And invariably, I mean, <laughs> hopefully they come out of that vision because you don't want to have a cookie cutter kid. But so have there been times when you have just um, felt like, okay, I'm way out of what I know, but but I have to go with it? I kind of feel like that was parenting from day one. <laughs> we were pregnant six months after we were married, and I wasn't really planning it. I mean, I was I was like getting my body ready, and boom, mm-hmm. we were pregnant. Um, and so I, I say that to say that, honestly, it was kind of like, okay, I was newlywed, and then now we have a baby, and I was worried, honestly, if I could actually be a good parent because I felt like I was so selfish. Like, am I going to be, <laughs> am I going to be able to give it up? Um, so, so parenting in general to me is like out of a comfort zone, you know? <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just, I, it's, you know, the, the school thing honestly was, was really for me the hard part, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it used to be like when, you know, we go on holiday or, you know, vacation comes or summer, it was like, oh, this is so easy and so great because, you know, um, we just had so much fun without the pressure mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and the frustration of the kids and, and trying to get them to do what they needed to do and not want, you know, I remember Satchel, um, and she still feels this way, uh, when she was in high school, she was taking some class and she and she was frustrated, and she said, "I don't even know why I have to do this anyway. I'm never going to use it." I said, "Well, Satchel, you have to do things sometimes that you want don't want to do, so you can get to do the things that you want to do. You may have a job that you don't like." She looked at me and said, "I will never have a job I don't like." It's <laughs> like I hope that works out for you, you know. And and so far, it seems to be working for her. I don't know. I mean, this new the new world of. Um, uh, a job that you don't have for 25 years, a job you have for a year, and then you have another job, the, the economy that that goes in the direction that you want to go. I mean, this generation is really looking at it differently. Absolutely. So she was on to something. I guess so. I guess so. Um, but yeah, I mean, I you know, I, I think that was for me probably part of the, one of the biggest difficulties mm-hmm. um, and challenges and out of my comfort zone. And, you know, again, I, I just always, um, you know, my sister was three and a half years younger than I am and she has younger children. And, um, you know, I, I would often talk to her about the kids and just say, you know, you've got to just, they're, they are who they are. I, I really believe children come here already who they are. I mean, just from my, mm-hmm. the births. I mean, when Satchel was born, she was just observant, quiet. She didn't cry. She was just looked around like, okay. <laughs> so this this is what we're doing. Jackson was born hungry, you know, and sort of ready um, in a different kind of way. And that's kind of who they are. And so for me, 
it was really about trying to figure out who they are and help guide them along as opposed to um, feeling like, okay, they have to be a certain kind of child and do a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that's really out of my comfort zone or just trying to trying to meet them where they are and help them work, navigate through mm-hmm. whatever it mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing a lot of reading about zero to three and the importance of parenting during that time. And what you've just described, meeting the children where they are and compassionately guiding them so that they can get to where they need to get to is is the crux of mm. what experts are saying is the approach. The odd thing, you know, it makes all the sense in the world that newly married, newly pregnant, or just pregnant and not even sure, sort of, I think you said something um, in this pre- in a previous conversation about this is uh, you, you were concerned you wouldn't be an interesting person anymore. And <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I wasn't. I right. was not an interesting person to most people at that time. I mean, I was, I, I was one of the first of my age to have children. Um, I wasn't working at the time. I had stopped working. And, you know, we would, Spike and I would go out and, you know, all these very interesting, cool people. And then someone would turn to me and say, so what do you do? And I would say, oh, well, I'm taking care of the baby. And with they would go blank and they would turn. I mean, nowadays, babies and having children is all thing right now. But back then, it really, right. it really wasn't. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really a cool thing. And it's kind of like I felt like I really needed to be locked away in the house taking care of the baby <laughs> until she grew up. <laughs> so let me just say that as one who, much my surprise, found myself in those conversations at those dinners for a long period of time, for much of my adult with children life, I can tell you that nowadays um, it's a little better, but for a long time you would sit between two people and usually if it's boy, girl, boy, girl, you know, you're sitting to these two guys and they're asking you what they do and you tell them you're with the kids and the eyes glaze over and they turn away. Or they look at you and compassionately grab your hand and say, it's the most important right. job in the world. <laughs> So, right. you know, my new attitude, and, and, and I'm going to be saying this a lot, is that, okay, great. It's a job. It is an important job. But why don't we treat it like a job? We yeah. don't have any skills. There's no evaluation. There, there was, Let's call it a job. And then, you know, the child care workers aren't paid anything. I mean, come on. <laughs> and it is a job. It's and a job. by the way, I mean, you and I both being lawyers, I mean, you know, we bring those skills to raising our children you know, and and they help. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, yes, it's a job that, and that's the whole point of my old focus on parenting, that you can do well, whoever you are. You can do better. You can do more. You can be more focused. And I don't mean to think make everybody think angst, be riddled with angst if they're not doing enough. You don't have to do more quantitatively. Right. You can just do more qualitatively. Exactly. And, and intentionally and just think about it versus assume that, Somebody else's way worked. And exact and, and there's no one way to do it. Right. There's no there, there I mean that's the that's the good and the bad, right? There's there's no real manual. So you get to make up what the manual is, you know, and and it's your way and you approach it like it's a job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's no manual, but there are things that you can and should know and be helpful. If for no other reason than to give you the confidence that the direction you're going in is a direction that's worked, 
And so that that's why I've been writing this blog for so long. Just everybody's really busy and nobody has time to read 700 page parenting. Even if there was a manual, <laughs> we with the babies crying, you don't right. have time to read it. But there are little things and that, that can be done. Um, if you first declare yourself somebody open to finding out what they are. And then second, just they're, they're out there. I try to bring as many as I can. We, I talk with my friends about it. that's why I want there to be, that's why this podcast exists. There mm-hmm. need to be more conversations. Absolutely. So it's, it's not, it's, everybody's different. It's an art, not a science, but there's a little science in there too. For sure. And, and you're, to your point that you don't need to parent in isolation, no. you know, but, but, but don't be intimidated by those mothers out there who are like, Oh, well, I, I cook all my own baby oh, food and gosh. I do this and that. No. And my child sleeps through the night and da, 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 da. And, and then, you know, the college thing. Oh, oh. we're doing this and we've applied to this school and that school. Do you know what you're doing? <laughs> like, like you have to, you have to block all that stuff out, but, but I'll cherry pick the things that other people are doing that work for you. Exactly. Exactly, exactly. And and my goal to for encouraging these conversations is to give people the confidence to do that. I don't want to say it's a confidence game, but it does take it takes experience, it takes acknowledging how many mistakes we make all the time. Million parenting mistakes, everyone makes them, but saying, Okay, that didn't work. The most important thing is to then say, How do I fix that? What do I do next? And have patience with yourself and your child. You know, exactly. I mean, it's, um, again, my kids are older, but gosh, when they were in school, like the head's on fire, like trying to, with not just school, I mean, all the activities and keeping up with all the stuff that they have going on. Right, right. So we're about to wrap up. We're on the tail end of this, but a couple more questions I have mm-hmm. for you. And, and this one has to do with your work um, as an advocate for women all over the world and, and mothers and, and, and infants. So I have to believe um, that, and we've talked about this, that as you go all over, there've got to be some commonality, some sort of common things. And, and one of the things you mentioned was um, the, the need when you talk to black and brown mothers for them to be able to show themselves to their children, show their children images of themselves. I mean, you mentioned the art in your wall, but... Tell me about sort of how, how you fix that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm writing, uh, please, baby, please, please, puppy, please. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, um, you know, again, when the kids were young, I was watching what they were seeing, right, um, on TV, and I was buying books, and there just wasn't enough out there that was reflecting what they looked like and what their experience was. Um, and so please, baby, please came out of the desire to – have the image of a of a two year old just a day in the life brown baby just living the day her a day in her life. I love those books that um, talk about my beautiful brown skin and I love my hair. But again, that's focusing on the brown skin and the hair. I just wanted to create something that showed them just living a day, mm-hmm. just like any other kid. And not just for the black and brown kids, mm-hmm. but for all kids to know that black and brown kids live regularly just like everybody else. <laughs> they go to the park. They they are silly and, you know, they have parents at home and, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I will say, too, what, I, what I've discovered in my travels, um, you know, no matter where you are, every parent, every mother wants the same thing, you know, no matter whether you are living in a rural, poor community or whether you're super wealthy living on the Upper East Side. You know, I think every parent wants their child to be healthy 
uh, hopes for them to have education and to grow up confident um, and able mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely, absolutely. Before we wrap up, I'm I'm trying out. This is since this is the first episode, okay. you get to be the. I know, inaugural. I'm so excited. <laughs> you get to be the inaugural so person. Um, not only to be on the podcast, but to do the GCP bonus round. Uh oh. <laughs> the um, the ground control or GCP bonus round. I have three questions for you. Okay. And um, the first I have to do a little intro on. So in my blog, every Thursday, I put Thoughtful Thursday out because as an old English major um, in college, I loved poetry. I loved all things art and I focused on African-American literature. So I I figured everybody should know more poetry. Mm -hmm. And so I'm collecting as many poems as possible. Um, So my first question to you in the bonus round is what's your favorite poem? Well, I, you know, the poem that comes to mind for me, especially for this, and I, and I loved it because my father used to quote it, and I, and I thought it was my father's when he was younger, <laughs> was Mother to a Son, Langston uh, Hughes. Life ain't great. no crystal stairs, you know, um, and you better keep on keeping on because I've been keeping on. So don't you sit on that stair. You keep going. Oh, you know, I love absolutely. that. Absolutely. You know, my mom would say, life for me, you know, that line, life yeah. for me, then no crystal stair. And, right. And I'd heard that similarly before I found the poem. Right. It's, like, it's so funny. I literally thought my, that was my father because mm-hmm. I didn't know the poem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's great. All you guys listening, get into that poetry. Talk to your children about poetry. It really, it's as, as old as we are. Exactly. <laughs> it stays with you. It does. Okay, second question. Top two favorite children's books. And now you get you get you can't say both of your books. I can't. No, you can just say one I can of say, yours. Please, baby, please. Yes. <laughs> uh, and um, a snowy day, Ezra Jack oh. Keats. That that was mine when I was when I was young. That is such a great book. Yeah. Oh, it still is. It's amazing. Great. And yeah. then finally, who is your favorite TV parent? Um, I have to say. I know it's probably, you're probably not supposed to cite this show anymore, but I loved Claire Huxtable. <laughs> you can say Claire Huxtable. Yeah, I loved Claire Huxtable. She's a TV she parent. was so cool. I mean, she had all those kids, but she was still a lawyer. Oh. She kept her husband in check, you know. Um, she was so beautiful, and oh, I loved had her. this amazing brownstone that nobody ever seemed to clean. I mean, but it was, it was so clean. Perfect. There was always food in the fridge. It's just a cheap. It was a, a sight, a marvelous sight to see. And she always kind of <laughs> smiled. And, you know, when she got angry, she wasn't really that angry. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Loved her. <laughs> and so now we know those writers are sitting around in that writing room being like, what else? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tanya, for being with us today. And thank you for your brilliant parenting insights. Wow. So I hope everyone listening enjoyed this conversation and that you all will come back for more. In the meantime, please check out the Ground Control Parenting blog at www.groundcontrolparenting.com for tons of parenting info and advice. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Ground Control Parenting and on LinkedIn under my name, Carol Sutton Lewis. Please send comments and questions on any of these platforms because we want to hear from you. Until the next time, take care and thanks for listening. Mm